Whether you want to move on this planet or others, Movement 4.0 from Babies to Astronauts offers you new and exciting insights on gravity, space, and all that happens in between. Hi there. I'm Michelle Turner, and I'm here with Episode 7, You Can't Get to Mars Without Me. This is based off my book. My book that is coming out is You Can't Get to Mars Without Me. What you're listening to are new theories on movement and movements that we need to accomplish, not only to live on Earth, but to live anywhere else, because we format our movements based off of gravity. So gravity is not really understood properly within living organisms or the biology of man, and that's why I'm here to explain how gravity affects us. Yes, Many of us know that, but we don't understand how gravity is part of our structure and our formatting and our cognitive skills. I learn that every day from my children with special needs that I work with, as well as adults. And then I see it with astronauts who are becoming children with special needs in that sense. Their responses to muscles and movement or the concepts that we think of are very similar to children with special needs. Why? Because the one main thing that you need for any functional movement is rotational movement. And that's what Movement Lesson is all about based on these principles. I am Michelle Turner, creator of Movement Lesson. I created my own modality based off of helping my my son. And many of you know me for my work with special children. From my clinic in Arizona to traveling and teaching around the world, I wanted to reach out with you with my new theories of gravity and felt a podcast would be a great way to connect with you. I have to ask, please subscribe. Please share. I appreciate that you're listening to my podcast, but really I'm trying to get these thoughts of movements out there. And again, the book is coming out. And as you're listening and want to listen more, it's segment 8, 9, 10. When you subscribe, you get notified. So thank you. Understanding movements as a structure and the structures of movement. One and the same, a little bit different, but the way that we move is actually a structure. The way that the movement affects us is actually a structure of movement. So they intertwine with one another. A lot of people don't look at the skeletal system as a structure or movement as a structure or muscles as a structure. Even your cardiovascular system is a type of structure within our nervous system and they're all equally important. But I really want to go over the finites that we're looking at is getting to Mars and what it's going to take to be able to live on Mars and to continue our evolution. Right now, the astronauts work out approximately two hours per day. And the thought basis on that is to counteract the adverse effects of weightlessness. It is true that the common denominator of outer space is a sensation of weightlessness as compared to here. And they feel it's going from gravity to microgravity. But in actuality, you have to look at the structure of movement. And if you don't look at the structure of movements, we're going to continue to make the same assumptions on mankind and where we're going with space, the way that we exercise, the way that we work out, and the way that gravity is supposed to act with us. And there are a lot of misconceptions out there, and one being the fact that we need to counteract the adverse effectness of weightlessness. In actuality, we have to counter the lack of rotational movements. We have to counter the lack of milestones or functional movements that is unable to perform the second we hit into outer space because the buoyancy rate goes too high versus the gravity and the rotational rate within a human body. So the structure of movement has disappeared in outer space. And so the exercise equipment really has to be reincorporated based off of creating the structure of movement, which is the oppositional gravity with rotational movements. 
And again, it's the interplay of we are opposing gravity. You opening a door or pushing a door open, whether you're pulling it towards you or you're pushing the door away, you're opposing gravity. Gravity is not just to your feet. Gravity is all around us, and so is rotational movements all around us because we're living organisms. Because we're living organisms. So with that, we have to be able to move all around us. If I go to do a cartwheel, I am opposing gravity with rotational movement. If I'm getting out of bed, I'm opposing gravity with rotational movement. All just simple acts, but cannot be performed in outer space because of the dynamics of outer space. But what we have to replace, what we have to offer are these dynamics that we structure our bodies off of. So what is thought with gravity is gravity provides resistance to the muscles and bones of our bodies. Well, it does in some way, but at the same time, it only provides resistance when we're opposing gravity. That's why if we're lying in bed, like, you know, I think there's a study going on right now where people are just lying in bed for months to look at the long-term effects of gravity or microgravity. Well, it's not microgravity, first of all. So the resistance is, is different. And also, nobody looks at taking away the rotation. That's what you have to provide to someone, that they're not allowed to use a rotational movement. And then you will start to see the, quote, effects of not having gravity or being stagnant and what it does to the body. So another misconception of microgravity is that bones and muscles no longer have the support or the weight of the astronaut's body. Again, that's true. But we do not support our weight. We really don't. I do not calculate how much I weigh and how much I've got to get off this chair. How the structure of movement is, not only do I calculate the force or opposition to gravity, but it's based off of my ability to use rotational movements or not. That's a calculation that is done in our neurological system. And if you don't believe me, you really have to start evaluating someone with cerebral palsy or someone with autism or 15Q deletion, right? The common denominator with anyone with special needs are these lack of abilities. That calculation, that ability to oppose gravity, and that ability to just oppose gravity comes into one of our first functional movements, which is breathing. Breathing is looked at as a reflex, but really it's more of a transitional movement because you can manipulate breathing. If I can change the way I breathe, it can't necessarily be a reflex. It is a patterning, and it's a necessity for life, but that's also what makes it an abnormality because why is it a necessity to life and consider a reflex? Because a reflex should be independent of a life movement. But just the thought of breath, again, I've asked you to do this before. If you close your mouth and you take a breath, that soft tissue of your palate from your mouth matches the force or that oppositional force in the nose. That alone right there is not available in outer space. So when I go to breathe like that, then my oppositional draw, how long my breath is in my lung, how deep the volume, the force is based off of those calculations. Now, if I have dentures, if I have major root canals, I lose these abilities. That's part of the problems with getting old is really a lot of dental work. Well, who would think that you have a lot of dental work and it impedes the way you use gravity? Well, it does. It does in breath. So if your breath and your oppositional to gravity and breathing is not good, well, then it's not good in walking. I can tell you that. And then you start having those other failures within the system. That's what we have to look at. So also in microgravity, the cardiovascular system becomes lazy, they think, as if the body wants to become lazy because a heart doesn't have to work as hard as it does on Earth, counteracting gravity and pumping blood to the head. Again, that's not how our circulatory system works. First of all, the heart is also a helical structure. I mean, it has a spiral base to it, a rotational base. 
So it's actually that pump is a suck verse off a string. If you think of that old rope that they used to use on the boats and so forth, that intertwining, when you pull it, it actually gets stronger. It has more force to it. It's much more how the cart works. So if you're even providing cardiovascular activities in outer space and you're not taking into account that the heart needs that opposition, it has to have it with rotational movement to properly pump. You know, someone who's six foot six already has 18,000 miles more of cardiovascular system than a six foot person. Their heart is usually enlarged, but just means it's of a larger size than the normal. It doesn't mean it's an enlarged heart as far as having cardiovascular disease. But microgravity, the cells in particular that get hit, which are all of them, and more so that they look at is the muscle, the bone density, and the cardiovascular. Space-based exercises. Well, exercise machines have been modified to, quote, stimulate gravitational pull. So this is where I say to, quote, gravitation does not pull us. It does not pin us. Again, you have to look at the way we format our movements. We oppose it. Right now, again, you're sitting here, and no matter what I'm doing here, I'm trying to figure out how to put my face to the mic properly without going too high, too low. But I'm not worried that gravity is pulling me to the floor. Now, again, if I drop my glasses or I decide that I'm going to drop off the chair, well, gravity, yes, is a constant, is a pull, but that's gravity. We have to look again at how we move within gravity or we can't move within gravity. I'm working with a little munchkin right now with cerebral palsy. And he just had surgery, a really cool surgery called SPML. And again, the first thing that I have to do because he's gotten these things called alcohol blocks versus a Botoxing, he's able to access, quote, certain muscles. And again, when I say, quote, I'm not trying to be facetious in any way. It's just my way of saying we have to look at things a little bit differently. You have to understand, we've been studying muscles back since like Da Vinci. When he used to dig up people, we still believe that the elbow is a lever joint, which, okay, it might be a lever within the system, but there's no force of movement or creation of movement that can happen within the elbow. The elbow might regulate, especially when it needs to cross midline and goes into a rotational midline. It might be there to guide or direct the movement. That doesn't create it, nor does it stop it. Hyperextend your elbow, you'll know that one real quick. It doesn't happen too often, but the lever-based system within our mechanics and our knees and elbows really mean nothing to movement. It's a great point of exaggeration or where we can measure. I can measure a range of motion, but that doesn't mean I have functional movement. And just because I can get my arms over my head doesn't mean I can unscrew a light bulb. So this is where we have to look at the format or the structure of movement. So just because I have range and reflexes doesn't mean I have form and function. So I'm trying to look at the form and functions. So when we're looking at whether the space-based, let's say treadmill or the AIRD, which is the advanced resistance exercise device, stationary bike, etc. First of all, what I really don't like is the floors move. It's actually one of my pet peeves with a lot of therapies that are done for special needs kids is they tend to work on balance by having the floors move, meaning it could have a trampoline or some kind of device or a half a ball or a busa. Now, those are all novel and they can be amazing. If you're really training for a triathlon and so forth and you want to work on your balance dynamics, that's great. You first have to evaluate your rotational abilities. 
And you have to look at the way that the pelvis is articulating the movements from a 360-point review. I'm actually working on a pelvic floor plan, as you will, but lessons that I do in movement lessons because of people get a weakened pelvic paradigm. They start usually when the weakness comes, people think, again, that's muscle-based or balance-based, and they don't understand that what's starting to diminish is A, the rotation, but B, that your ability of moving in and out of things. So you start looking at movement as an up or a down, let's say, instead of a not even an in and out, but a 360. You should be getting up or sitting down without committing to getting up and getting down. That's how we start with our movements. So when the floors move on exercising, the system that gets affected the most there is the pelvis. The pelvis gets really confused. It's one of the main reasons I believe astronauts just can't walk when they get back to Earth. First of all, because of everything that I'm talking about, if you want to see a gravitational pull, you come back to Earth after a couple months in space and you will feel a gravitational pull. It's a sensation like you've never had before. Again, it's blamed on muscle atrophy, but I'm sure an astronaut could tell you they don't expect it. For all the stories that they've told, all the films that they watch, they don't expect because it is the first time they're feeling a pull, other than maybe if they've been on the Tilt-A-Whirl at the local state fair or the G-force machine, which are not gravity. They're centrifugal force based, and again, it's a phenomenon that's different than gravity. You and I, we go to the car, we walk through our office, the floors don't move. You feel that sensation if you've ever been on a treadmill not too long and you get off it and you sort of feel like you're still on that treadmill. Because when you start moving the floor, again, the dynamics or the structure of movement immediately change, just like if you're going into space. Now that sensation doesn't last long, but if you've been on the treadmill for the last six months, like you've been in space for six months, you will see a much more and longer debilitating, even though you've been working out 24-7, let's say, for a couple months straight, your brain won't be able to make sense of it because it's just not a way we're structured in our movement. It's sort of like putting your two-story house on roller skates. You know, it's just not the way that your house is built and it's not the use of the skates. You'll see another thing that's very common with most of these space-based exercises because they look at clipping the feet on somehow to the equipment. So instead of the equipment being done where, again, it's oppositional, an oppositional, we have a quarter of our bones in our feet. Our feet are amazing. No engineer in the world can design a foot and the function it's meant to do. You can jump, skip, hop, run five miles back and forth. Your foot just goes. It's like breathing. You know, we're remarkable human beings. And so we're not used to our feet being clipped into anything, even the fact that we have shoes on. The shoes are independent with the walk. Now, you might wear certain shoes that will affect your walk, but you're not clipped to the ground. And there again, when you go into feet clipping, you're getting a sensation of a gravitational pull or a pull to the floor. Now, if you see a child walk with AFOs, these are structures around the feet that people use either do they feel that they need strength in standing which that's a misconception, but I'm not getting into, but also more so that you don't want the feet to misshape due to spasms. And that has a lot more validity, but still you have to look at when you're using devices on special needs kids of what movement that definitely cannot be achieved, why that's happening, and then what you have to do around it. So let's say I can't help that you just had hip surgery. I'm not going to say go and do it. It's impossible. But I'm going to have to make sure your feet are much more supple and your chest cavity is much more supple. Because again, the movement wants to counter somewhere and I've got to open up avenues that maybe wouldn't be an avenue, but the hip can't take it. What we have to look at is new movements. 
It is agreed we need gravity to sustain life. That's just a given, right? For life as we know it, we really do need gravity. It's very important. But it also needs to be noted that this type of gravity is the structure needed for our body to produce functional movements and to create neurological pathways. Not only could we not live without gravity, again, it's just like a skeletal system. Our whole entire beings work in a 360 degree in, out, up, down, all around gravity. From a baby being born, a child skipping, a tree growing in the woods, these living dynamics are all based on the opposition of gravity. And to do opposition of gravity, you have to have a rotational movement or many rotational movements. They're from the muscles on out. They're from our atoms or from our cells. Your blood cells will circulate with rotational movements. You do not, I repeat, do not want to replace human beings' organizations to gravitational binding force with centrifugal force. Okay, we've covered this before, but conversations include the manipulation or the spinning of space station or a colony on the moon, Mars, wherever. If we feel that we need to create a force which creates now a pinning force, not a binding force, right, by spinning, let's say, the space station, we need to note that these are not artificial gravities, but another structure of movement, which is not approached in our life force organization. Why do you ask? Because it's a complete opposite of what I'm presenting here. It's not gravity and will destroy the brain and the body. When I'm looking for my feet to be pinned, you see that in skiing, you see that in surfing, skateboarding. Now they're all novel. And they're great, but you start doing that in space station, first of all, the first thing they're going to do when you hit that intercom is, yo, dude, what's up? When you have a pinning force to the feet like that, and this is why I don't like it in therapies with special needs as well as what they feel it's balanced, is because it really, first of all, it's very addicting to the brain because it's a new avenue, but it's not functional. And when the movement's not functional, well, they're not too functional. If you're addicted to these sports, these centrifugal forces, sports, your flips and all of that, even some gymnastics goes into it, but I'm talking about an addiction. You don't work well with others and you don't work well. You know, you're going after, there's a good powder man, you're, you're not working. And it's just based off of these dynamics. So we cannot do this to people. It has nothing to do with brain-based. It's a formula of movement and it wrecks a cognitive and becomes cognitively impaired. And again, this is what I've been trying to say with the newborns. If you wreck their beginning rotations or foundations or structure of movement, they become cognitively impaired. I was just Zooming with someone this morning and she gets, you know, she wanted the excuse, which I get. And it's because of the brain bleed and the way it's hit the corpus callosum. And I understand that. I really do. And yes, our kids have had trauma or you've had trauma, but we still, to undo the trauma or to create function in their life, milestone function, you have to go off of these scientific principles. It's just natural law. And I hope if you've been listening to this podcast, you're just seeing more and more how much the human body wants to produce movement. But when you interrupt these dynamics, it's not that they don't want to produce movements. It's not that your child, oh, is just not paying attention. They can't do it. It's just not in their structure. It's like me asking you to go to the second floor and there's no stairs. And it seems valid when you talk in that kind of analogy. And I'm not being disrespectful here, but you cannot ask a child to see that doesn't have vision. And the eyes might work. The structure might work. And I go through this all the time. They don't have binocular vision. The eyes are not working together. They don't have convergence. 
you know, and I literally have to take the films that they've sent blow by blow and say, see, there's a left eye, there's the right eye. And honestly, you should not be teaching a child how to see. They just do it. Same thing with these astronauts. That's also where the exercise environment has to change. I get it that they're worth a lot of money and they have to do the structure that they need to do. But at the same time, we have to make it a bit more play-based. And they can't be doing it just to work the way that they need to with their bodies. Speaking of other bodies, I want to go in a bit with nourishment. Now, I'm not a nutritionist by any way. Now, I do see this, but what I'm talking about is viscosity rates and fluid dynamics within the body as far as movement. It's a crucial point for Mars colonization. Even if we grow a plant-based diet on the planet, we also need to study the internal rotational properties that are offered as part of the food source. So no matter what food source you eat, whether it's a Twinkie or a hamburger, the protein molecules that go into your system, the molecules of food, rotate. There's a great diet. It's called Eat for Your Blood Type. And I almost want to say you have to have one that's eat for your rotational rate. So let's say if I have normal sugars in my blood, so sugars are going to rotate at a different rate than protein. And so this rotation, now cancer doesn't rotate. So you'll have the issues there. So when cancer's in your blood, that's what it starts interrupting your living dynamics. But man is very interesting that we need to variety of food to sustain us, meaning a koala bear can live off of eucalyptus, but we need a whole variety of food. We can't just live off of one food source. So the structures of these molecules should be in sync with the same matrix of the human being or organism that we are needing to sustain. There's a lot of people here right now, we try to tell even me to eat better. I get that, but we're not eating to sustain. We're eating just because. And that's where we have to look at that differently if we're going to colonize in Mars based off of the rotational rate because you're going to have to increase the inner rotational rate because it's being destroyed due to the microgravity. Interrupting these simple biodynamics has typically produced neurological reasoning disorders as found with autism, Alzheimer's as an example. You know, that's why my son lives off of, of chicken and pizza, you know, it's and it does cause issues. Now, by golly, I wish he'd eat some spinach and lettuce, but what am I supposed to do? We all have our areas with other people that you just throw your hands up and you're like, okay, it is what it is. So similar behaviors with presentation found in these space travels, they don't play well with others. So they're eating food that they're meant to eat. And I, I know food sounds simple, but right now if I told you to eat oatmeal now for the next month and nothing but now it will sustain you, but you'd be grumpy real fast. You will see Alzheimer's like to eat bland, processed food. You can't tell someone pre-dementia. That's one of the earliest signs that you can start saying because you can't just say, hey, Mike, let's go get some Mexican food. No, 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 no. You'll start to see this. And you are going to see it more and more that people are using their phones. They don't have peripheral vision. They don't have gait. Their palate starts to decrease. The brain does not do well with it. And I believe a lot of it is just due to fluid dynamics and molecule rotations. So if my sugars were 500... My blood is heavier. It is thicker. You know, we can't have that in outer space, but we should, certainly shouldn't have it here on Earth either. And, and this is what you're seeing increasing daily. Um, any, any person, that's the number one thing that needs to get under control is just our sugars. And this is one of the reasons why, because it really messes with our movement dynamics. Skeletal cells. The skeleton is an intricate webbed internal structure. The body produces all movements through the skeletal structure and buoyancy to create momentum. 
So collecting air in out different types of nutrients within the skeletal system is what helps us rise to the occasion to move, to run that marathon. It's not about necessary bone density. The bone density is there, but if you throw bone density, which you see with osteoporosis, uh, you see balance going just because the webbing is off. You have air bubbles in. It changes the buoyancy dynamics and knocks people over, just the force off the skeletal system. Some cells are moving blood cells. You might want to refer to as blood pressure really is an aspect of buoyancy momentum. Some cells are active and passive, as is you find in muscles. You're able to produce the power from nowhere due to buoyancy momentum. Or muscle, stiff, tight, floppy. This needs to be noted that some cells are mass. And again, you'll see that in, um, in mucus viscosity rates, especially if there's an infection involved. Uh, cancerous material acts as mass uh, versus living dynamics. I really want to thank you again for listening to me, putting my book together, You Can't Get to Mars Without Me. I hope that it's going out for its final edit within the next month and putting it all together. I really felt it was imperative that I really start documenting all these different ways of movement, not just with special needs, but to understand how we move helps our kids. I really want to end special needs. There has to be an implementation of the newborn movement assessment. It's just imperative to evaluate rotation and how they use the structure of movement and how you can influence that from an early age. Babies still just need the blanket and the floor versus being restricted with a lot of the movements. Obviously, we have to keep a baby safe, but at the same time, they have to be able to work with these oppositional movement dynamics from a very early age. I'm starting all sorts of milestone courses for that reason. The same thing has to be implemented in outer space. We have to look at the way a person is structured within the movement dynamics of gravity. So my 10th theory on biological gravity is as humans organize all cognitive and physical manipulations based on internal and external interactions through the body's abilities of responding with and exhibiting rotational movements. I know a lot of this is new. I hope you're really starting to see how it it's affects your life and how you can start using this information to make your body just work better, to make your body just move better. It's not just that you had a salad. It's all important, but you have to move efficiently, opposing gravity, interact with that movement, and then you have to take that movement and use it in opposition to gravity. So our next episode, episode eight, is on milestones in space. I know we've been covering it some, but I really want to get into some of the the nitty-gritties of it because there are no milestones in outer space. I really appreciate you that you're listening to me. Movement 4.0 from babies to astronauts is really important paradigm shift if we're going to make it to Mars because you can't get to Mars without me. I will say it proudly. You can find me all over the internet, but at movementlesson.academy. All of my social feeds are Movement Lesson. I'm Michelle Turner. Thank you again, and welcome to Gravity.